Hello, and welcome back to the Bayside Boys. We're your hosts, Nicholas. Nicholas. And Steve. They're... No apologies. No apologies. But I we're so sorry, but we're not Canadian, so we're not sorry. Anyway, we'll so scuba. we've just kind of booted the main leader host, so he's not <laughs> doing the, the interest. This might be rough, but maybe some changes coming for you guys. Maybe not. Maybe not. We are undecided. And for... That kind of sums up the podcast in general. Yeah. Unprepared and undecided. I think we should have a much looser structure to it. We should change the name to Unprepared and Undecided. Ooh. Welcome this week. More on that later. Unprepared and Undecided. More on that later, though. But we don't know our names. (laughs) I love that. Super anonymous. But let's talk about what we were thinking about talking about. Yeah. My two co-hosts are still underwater, having just gone on a dive this past weekend. And suffering from a... And and I've been dragged, kicking and screaming back into uh, the world of scuba. 60 feet underwater. Apparently there's going to be stories, so at least you won't have to suffer through talk about gear and numbers and numbers, physics though. of scuba. We'll still talk about physics scuba. Well, we we're just a fun topic and make it boring. The main thing is, whatever you do, just don't buy gear, especially computers. I think yep. that's the moral of the story. Yeah. If you guys keep that in the back of your heads, you'll come out winning. In all seriousness, no, if you're going to get the use out of it, it's your choice to make, but... And you'll probably be better off in the in the long run because you'll have a computer that you have knowledge of how to use. And That's also that true. Versus constantly renting new computers and trying to finagle the one that you got last time, which we successfully did. Chances are, if you spend a thousand dollars on a dive computer, you will never need another one ever again. Correct. Yep. But in all seriousness, we did go diving a thousand this, leagues under the sea. Yes, this last. What's the What's the book? Is it Twenty Thousand Leagues Under the Sea? Yes, I by Jules know. Verne. Is it Jules Verne? I think it is. That sounds right, yes. Famous book. Anyway. Really good movie, too. Like Moldy Dick? (laughs) (laughs) I'm leaving, and I'm leaving that in. That whole whole pause is staying in. You're welcome. (laughs) Anyway, we did a day's worth of diving back in the... uh, temperate waters of Monterey. It actually wasn't bad. It was not as cold as our instruction week. Trying to just log some dive time and get some hours. Get some hours. Do you know how cold it was? 48 degrees. For I, my computer hit 48 at the lowest. Okay, so it was about the same. Okay. But last time we went, it was 48 a lot shallower. Yes. So we did some dives in Carmel. We did some dives in Monterey. Carmel wins every time. Yeah. Visibility in Carmel is just beautiful. So much nicer. It's just so much nicer in general. Like the, the reef's nicer. Everything's nicer. But more yeah, fish. we uh, we dove Mortuary Beach. Just beware of the shore break. And the sharks. Yeah. Well, and sharks. the locals. There are angel sharks, but we didn't yeah. see one this time. No, we weren't lucky. Also, we've kind of talked about so how sharks aren't, squid. sharks aren't the biggest threat to a diver necessarily. Yeah. Shore break is, and locals definitely are. Yeah. yeah. Shore break for sure. Yeah, the shore break there can get interesting. Uh, they have their own exit where you crawl out on your hands and knees and it's called the monastery crawl and that's why it's monastery beach because you're on your hands and knees anyway now there's a lot excited about hands and knees there's a monastery across the street but on our second to last dive we dove a spot called the metridium fields which in monterey there's an old sewage pipe going up from cannery row and if you swim out past it there's a whole bunch of 
Mitridium, which are a type of sea anemone, if I can get my M's and N's in the correct order. Sea anemone. Sea anemone. I think, yeah, I think you had it right. Anyway, yes, one of them. And they're like these long cauliflower-looking... Long as in like a foot and a half, two feet long. Mitridium fields. It's a bit of a swim. You end up being underneath part of the shipping channel. So you or there's boat surf. traffic overhead, so you can't exactly surface. Um, well, you can. But it's yeah. all advised. You might end up anyway, so because of that, you carry a surface marker buoy, which is like a inflatable tube that you fill with air and you let yep. it go up. And we talked about that in the line. gear in the gear episode, I believe. So you don't get run over. Anyway, some, kind of important. Somewhere along that fifty minute dive, I dropped my finger spool. Which the finger spool is the line that you use to float your buoy. So at the end of the dive, I was like, well. I haven't done much with it. I'm going to practice using it. And that's when I realized that I dropped the spool. So we did like a little bit of a search in the shallow water. Um, Steve over there stuck his BFK into the sand and we used his reel to like do a little circle. See if we could find it. BFK is a big, big freaking knife. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I've got a pocket sword for a knife. But we couldn't find it. So we're like, cool. It is almost six o'clock. The rental needs to be returned by 7. So we can squeeze in one more dive. Okay. Anyway. 30-minute dive. To, to get out to the Metridium Fields, it's a solid 25, 30 minutes. So we hop out. Thankfully, two of the guys that we were diving with weren't going to be diving. So We, we were diving high-pressure high 80s. Yeah, we leaking out and cubic foot cylinders. And then Jared and the other two guys were high-pressure 100. 100 cubic foot cylinders. So we're like, cool. They're not going to dive. We're going to take the high-pressure cylinders so we have a little bit more air. A lot more air. A lot more air. And we're like, we've got to make this dive fast, and we have to cover a lot of ground. So we hop in at like... Right around 6. Right around 6, 6.05, and just go like smoke off the bat. First, it was a little bit hard to orient. We, we passed the pipe a couple times. Yeah. But... Almost lost our third buddy. The first time, it was a 50-minute dive. The second time, we were coming back along the pipeline at 16 minutes. So... We went out there in, like, double time, did a quick look around. Which you guys can do just fine because you have a heavy swimming background. Yeah. It still hurt. I was telling Nah that, like, if I had gone faster, my legs would have cramped. <laughs> but our third dive... <laughs> Which would have been really fun. Yeah, really fun. Our third dive buddy was, like, using his arms and legs, but I saw him keeping up next to me, so I didn't slow down. But... We made the Madrid Fields in record time. Yeah, looked around. On our way back in 16 minutes, we finished in, like, it was a half-hour dive exactly. And what we, did we hit? got the what gear depth? recovered. We went down to, like, 50 feet, 52 feet. But thinking back, it was a really bad idea. Like, really, really, bad really idea. bad idea. Okay. So, let's break it down. Bad idea because it was our fourth dive. It was at the end of our day of diving. So our nitrogen level is at the highest, right? Because mm. we've been absorbing nitrogen. Yeah, all and we day haven't been long. doing short dives. All of our dives were averaging fifty minutes. Yep. Now we had a decent surface interval, but still, it's four dives in one day. Okay. Add to that that we're not all in the best shape because of the current situation. None of us have really been working out or swimming or doing anything. Yeah. Add to that that we decide to swim like smoke. And probably our CO2 levels were going through the roof because we weren't slow breathing. You're huffing your air down. Which means you're not getting all the CO2 out of your lungs. Like in a half hour dive, so the first dive was 50 minutes. 
80 cubic foot cylinder and I used roughly 2000 PSI. Okay. Okay. Second dive was a half hour dive, 100 cubic foot cylinder. I used up the same amount of pressure, right? I took it down by 2000 PSI. Which is a lot more air. It's a lot yeah, more I'm air. Yeah, I'm too tired to do the math. Uh, it's not fun math because you're dealing with different <laughs> volumes at the same pressure. But anyway, so lots your, more air. Your respiratory weight rate, Nathan and I were calculating, was somewhere around like 30, which, which is not is healthy. Borderline hyperventilation. <laughs> and we were just asking to get a CO2 toxicity Oxid. hit just because when you're breathing fast and shallow, you're not venting the CO2. Yeah. So thankfully it didn't go bad, but it, it definitely could have. So that's mistake, what, one or two or? Many. Many. Yeah, that was just kind of a series of unfortunate mistakes. Yeah. And stuff that you don't even think about. Yeah, it kind of hit us like a little bricks, like, oh, shoot, we should have done that. Yeah, after the fact, because, yeah. again, I mean, how often are you going to hyperventilate? Well, we weren't hyperventilating. Like, we did not feel like we were hyperventilating. I never but it was it was still the equivalent, but and you were really, really was. pushing it. Yeah. Yeah. We were on the rag. And, like, if I was pushing it, I was pushing our friend even worse. Yeah. Because, like, part of swimming is just training your body to deal with higher levels of CO2, which, you know, if they don't have the conditioning that you do, they're more susceptible. Their tolerance for CO2 is lower. You know? Thankfully, they weren't super deep dives. Well, we're diving at our limit. We we're yeah. basically at our limit on all of our dives. That was kind of the learning experience. Yeah, I can imagine. We're happy to report that our buoyancy control is still crap. <laughs> Did you guys practice that at all? Tried. Yes. I Okay, so I did not bounce along the bottom this time. Me either for the most part, but I just didn't feel comfortable. And the one time that I did see someone standing on the bottom, I made sure to knock their legs out from under them. Did you? <laughs> yes. Do you not see at Monastery when I went and uh, tackled a certain someone's legs? On a sand bottom, it doesn't matter, but it's not a good habit because then you go stepping on coral and killing stuff. You damage your gear. Yeah. Yeah, but that's uh, that's something you, that you can kind of stay aware of, though. Like, am I, where am I standing if I'm standing at all? We kind of learned on this last diving weekend that we're kind of anal divers. Really? Who could have ever possibly foreseen anything of the sort? Like, we're very safety conscious. Yeah. Really? Yeah. P-I-T-A. P-I-T-A completely. <laughs> I don't think I can possibly be more sarcastic. Yeah. Well, that's kind of the byproduct of what you spend your time reading and researching. Like, instead of shopping for gear, I've just read a whole bunch of accident reports and books with many, many fatalities. Many, 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 many fatalities. And it just kind of is like, yeah, what I'm doing doesn't compare to what they're doing in its level of dangerousness, risk. risk but it's still habits and lessons that you learn and pick up on the basic dives. Yeah. You know? It's actually book recommendation, Deep Descent. And it's, it's like a two dollar book. Yeah, it's the history of diving a certain wreck off the east coast. It's kind of falling apart, but it's still a cool cool place to dive and you can go collect like the ship's china. Not stuff. super deep. Yeah. Oh, interesting. I think the the wreck starts at hundred and ninety feet deep, goes down to about two hundred and fifty feet if you go all the way inside of it. So wait, so which certs would you need for that? So you would back in the day they did it on air. You can still do it on air. Now, I mean, you run the risk of being narked out of your mind. 
I remember I read one article where the guy was like, I look back at my dive buddy and I'm diving with Stevie Wonder. <laughs> his <laughs> eyes look weird and his head's just bobbling all over the place. <laughs> <laughs> But you could dive it on air. You know, it's totally doable. You just need to dive it on doubles. That's the biggest thing. Yeah, but like if you've done... Your Nowadays, you probably wouldn't bother. Yeah, you'd probably do nit. No, you wouldn't do nitro. Trimix it. You'd probably do Trimix. Really? Yeah. Too deep for nitro. Too deep Remember for we nitro. talked about um, oxygen. Uh, oxygen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you would sound like us at one and a half times speed. <laughs> Spoilers. Yeah, spoilers, but whatever. Probably just your advanced open water and then your deep divers. Mm-hmm. And then it's not Trimix diving. certification. Now it's a tech dive. Kind of. Because as soon as you start using Trimix, it becomes a tech dive. Yes, but if you have your Trimix certification. Yes. So, and even if you Trimix that, it on air, if you Trimix it on air, it's not a tech dive. But if you're a dive at Trimix, it becomes a tech dive because you automatically need stage bottles. Yeah. Because you, have, you need to deco on nitrox. Because you, you can't, can't breathe trimix. trimix coming back up. It doesn't have enough oxygen. Trimix oh, has okay. less oxygen than atmospheric air. Because it's compensating for the depth. Yep. Mm-hmm. For the, the oxygen depth. But you don't need too many certifications. People make it a lot more technical, I think, than it is. Mm-hmm. It should be safe, probably, like you yeah. were saying. Well, like a lot of people like to rebreathe or dive it just because you have a lot more time down there. Mm. Right? Because you're mitigating the CO2 buildup. Using absorbent and actually controlling how much oxygen is in your breathing air. Yeah, it's a whole lot smarter. But if we're talking about not buying gear, I mean, rebreathers are like the most expensive thing you can get in scuba. Yeah. How expensive are we talking? I haven't looked into it yet. How expensive do you think? A few grand. That won't even get you a dry suit. About 15. 15 grand? Yeah. Dry suit's 4,500. No, dry suit's 1,700. It's the one that Steven got in that stuff? 4,500. Custom DUI. Yes, if you get a custom one. I'm talking like what people pay. And even that, I don't think it's that much. I want to say it's closer to like three, three some. But still, it's, it's a it's a big investment. Now, if you're working for a dive shop, you have a discount. And if you're a dive master, you're using it for work. So it, you know, balances out. It, it makes sense. You're not just some Joe Schmo with 15 grand to throw away. For us Joe Schmoes, it makes more sense to look out for a used dry suit or just get a nice wetsuit or a semi-dry wetsuit because majority of our diving is not going to be diving wrecks, you know? Unfortunately, I think diving wrecks Dive is, is really So really just to cool. uh, throw this out there, I don't know. This is going to be kind of a random podcast, but I don't care. If you go down to San Diego, there is a submarine wreck in like 30, 40 feet of water. Talking about good buoyancy control? There was at least one wreck off of Catalina that was probably around the same depth. So, like... Couldn't have been more than 30, 40 feet down. You can do... Kind of... Because it was kind of sitting sideways. Yeah. And penetrate that. You can do, like, beginner wreck dives and start looking at something other than just rocks and fish. Yeah, because otherwise it really is all rocks and fish. And some people are into the fish, and then what ends up happening is you get into photography... <laughs> okay, it'll cost you more than a rebreather. Forty grand for camera housing. What? For the housing? Yeah. Remember the Doria? Yeah. And they had those remote control camera things? Forty grand a piece? Yeah, but that's kind of uncommon. Those are like DPV cameras though. But that's what photographers get into. Well no, so like I, I've seen some used setups and people easily sink 
15, 16 grand because they get a big old fancy DSLR, then they get the housing and the lights and the this and the that. Yeah, it becomes a whole setup, which if you can sell prints, might be worth it. But then that's a lot of work and you're not going to be, you're probably not going to move around a lot. Depending hey. on depending on what kind of shot you're trying to set up and underwater. And it's hard to travel with all that stuff. That's hard cases on hard cases on hard cases. And, like, our instructor does some photography, and he's like, hate to admit it, but I barely look at my own pictures. <laughs> <laughs> so. But if you ever want to get good, you'd have to look at the pictures, and you'd have to figure out what works and what doesn't, and you can't really do that on the fly. No, the hard part is, like, I don't know, maybe I'm just lazy, but keeping up with all the files and thinning out what's worth keeping and what's not. That's something that, uh, once you get into photography in general, that's something you kind of just accept as a part of life. Yeah, I guess. I guess that's why I'm not into photography. Yeah. Yeah, we're we going back to topic now? Back to topic. What topic uh, are we on? Well, like, scuba stories, I guess. Do you have any scuba stories that stand out? decision uh i don't i the the only no hood no hood no hood no, People, hood. no hood but i talked about this it was not an issue the water was warm it was fine uh the only thing that comes to mind is my loss of a dive buddy no my, uh, well <laughs> <laughs> we did once lose a member of our group and i may have gotten shoot out because i was in charge of the group and everybody else was a very capable swimmer and we were moving quickly and accidentally left this really slow guy that nobody liked behind but <laughs> it's okay Semantic. because he surfaced and the other instructors found him and uh nothing bad happened to me so <laughs> we're fine no need to talk about that too much <laughs> next I do remember feeling disgust at a camera I brought along to the scuba training because it was supposed to be rated for 60 feet or so. It was like a very particular waterproof photo and video camera. So I planned to dive with my buddy to go maybe 40, maybe 45 feet because we were just going to dive some just below surface level caves uh, near a coral reef. And at about 35, 40 feet, I noticed that the live stream to the screen has frozen uh-oh like great i wonder what happened but i can't just surface because we're down here for another 20 minutes decided maybe it's still working and the screen is just broken so i'm going to keep recording uh that did not end up being the case the moment i got home and checked the footage there was a very distinct moment where some water got in and just fried the whole thing but you got some footage I didn't get any good footage. I got the first five minutes of the dive. Speaking of that, supposedly some of our dive buddies from this last trip have footage, but I've yet to see any of it. I think it was mostly selfie footage from the way they were carrying the cameras. Oh. I'm sorry to burst your bubble. Yeah, well, there's there's two types of underwater photographers, videographers. There's the people who do the selfies and will post some, like, montage on Instagram or mm -hmm. YouTube. Then there's uh, one that actually posts, like, hardcore pictures of fish. Well, yeah, for some reason, thinking that people want to see selfies of them swimming underwater. Mm -hmm. And then there's the people who take photos of the surroundings or the people around them or anything cool that comes I out. I would be a paparazzi scuba photographer. I take pictures of other goon uh, scuba divers and post them. <laughs> like, everyone... Point, in fish just point out everything wrong with their setup. No, just post pictures. Don't say ain't no cash. Every once in a while, you do get a cool picture of your buddy. Like, I've seen some from Monterey of, like... Yeah. People swimming through arches or 
and with the kelp and stuff. Why can't we find those arches? Well, because we don't have the dive time to go far enough, I don't think. Mm. It'd also be South Monastery. But yeah, when you see like the kelp and it makes this room and you look up and it's like golden yellow from the sun filtering through it. Nothing beats that. I'm thinking that no underwater selfie in the world can beat a really good photo of you taken by someone else. Correct. Especially in full dive gear, if you have any pride for what you're wearing. And we do. Which I'm sure you guys do. Uh, I would not bother with selfies. My big knife front and center. But, you know, some people like the selfies and some people indulge the selfies, so the selfies will continue. Selfies must continue. <laughs> selfies don't continue. Where are we going to be? Well, it keeps the ecosystem the, balanced. Definitely not in our current decade. Alrighty. As we said earlier. I think that's all the rambling we can do. Yeah. Short one. People people here are tired. Yeah, we, um, we've got some stuff to work out. Change is brewing. Change is a good thing. Indeed it is. Uh, the most obvious change will probably be next week. We'll be having a new co-host or new co-hosts for this week because the current ones are... Uh, the current ones will be absent. Absentee voting. Living a life. Voting. <laughs> uh, so voting. you can stay tuned for that if you're remotely interested in hearing other voices on a topic that's yet to be decided. As usual. Yeah, like always. As usual, yeah. We don't really give much thought to our topics. So. Undecided and unprepared. And if you can't tell, then we're flattered, frankly. Yeah. Good night. We'll see you next time. I hope you enjoyed listening. We will see you next week. Take care.